Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissler hanging out with Fernando. Hi, Ben. I'm also hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Hello to the both of you weird, weird men. <laughs> All right. We have a lot to talk about today. We're talking guns, we're talking drugs, and we are talking power. A little bit later on in this episode, Biden, man, that White House Sounds like a bore. I don't want to work there anymore because they don't let me smoke my weed. We're going to talk about Joe Biden kicking out a bunch of staffers who previously may have smoked marijuana. Kind of a light story, but in the larger context of the war on drugs, which is currently being amped up right in front of our eyes, it does have real life ramifications, specifically for the people of Colombia who may be poisoned by the Biden administration's allowance of basically a roundup weed killer to be used on coca plants, which, of course, provide us that sweet, sweet Sweet, sweet cocaine. So we will talk about that. And uh, we will also talk about stop the steal. Remember that when Roger Stone screamed, stop the steal. And then he said, Donald Trump, he's like Abraham Lincoln. He freed this slave. Roger Stone's a psychopath. (laughs) His fingerprint is all over January 6th. And the fingerprint is now becoming a... DNA, we, we, we know everything we need to know about January 6th. I don't want to talk about it too much because mainstream media has been talking about it at nauseum. But Roger Stone, my God, megalomaniac mastermind behind so much of the destructive politics we have in this country. It is incredible how he has manipulated the scenes, uh, has manipulated the streets behind the scenes. I mean, these things are happening for a reason, and the people on January 6th, the pawns who stormed the Capitol, I almost have a small amount of sympathy because they were so stupid, they didn't even realize they were getting played. They're clearly a photo op. I was looking yes. at some of these pictures, and he was really making sure he got all the like the minorities in there, like the black people wearing the you know Make America Great Again hat. He got he got all the pictures with all the black people in there, all the minorities, really playing up to that, you know. Well, and of course, as we've talked about, Fernando, when it comes to mistrust of the government, if you want a group of people that don't trust the government, and rightfully so. Look no further than the groups of people who have been hurt by this government. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I would recommend a very good documentary on Netflix called Get Me Roger Stone. It was finished in 2017, and we are still living with the consequences in 2021. So check it out. Absolutely. So we will talk about that. But before we get to all of those wonderful stories, let's talk about gun violence in this country. I don't want to talk about the shooting that just took place. I don't want to get into the details That has been covered. I assume that people know that. We're talking policy here on this show. And the one question that is always asked after a mass shooting is, why? Mainly, why do people have AR-15 guns? Now, this question is asked, and many people would say, yep, seems a little wonky. And then the follow-up is, what do we do? And that is where we end in murky, murky waters when it comes to American politics. The only legislation that has been pushed forth when it comes to gun 
legislation in this country over the past 20 years has been expanding access to guns. We have not had one piece of legislation go through other than Donald Trump's bump stock ban, which was literally just a ban on a gun accessory. Right. (laughs) It's not even about guns per se. It's literally about a piece of plastic that makes your gun into a semi-automatic rifle. The legislation put forward by our government has other than one piece of legislation that banned assault rifles in the 90s, which has since lapsed. So let's talk about what the Senate is thinking about doing right now to potentially make it more difficult for people who have criminal intent, people who are mentally ill to access guns. And when I say this is their attempt to stop those people from accessing guns, it's small letters It's air quotes and it's italics, because at the end of the day, even some of the most aggressive air quotes, anti-gun legislation, which it's not. This is about people getting the gun. We're not even talking about guns in this country. We're talking about access to guns right now. The only legislation we've seen to make it more difficult for people who are mentally ill to get to get guns was in 2013. That was the Manchin Toomey bill. That is, of course, Representative Joe Manchin. I'm sure you've heard his name many, many times. The senator out of West Virginia. He is a Democrat. And then you had Senator Pat Toomey, who was a Republican out of Pennsylvania. This bipartisan bill would have extended federal background checks. However, it did not pass because they could not get the 60 votes in the Senate at the time. That was 2013. They were talking about simply expanding background checks and still could not get any movement on the issue. Question is, has this country fallen more in love with guns over the past eight years? Is it going to be more difficult now than ever before to have any kind of rational legislation over the guns? And then the follow-up, follow-up question to that is, how the hell are we going to reverse any of this? You know, it's like, how do you tell somebody who has an AR-15 that you would like their gun, and then if they don't consent to giving you their gun, you're going to have a lot of violence? And that's the ultimate fear. I mean, talking about January 6th. We're seeing more uprising. We're seeing more violence. And once these people have military assault style weapons, how do you get them back? Uh, I always think about when people say you need guns, you know, the pro gun people that I have a personal conversation with, they'll say, I need it to defend myself from the government. Right. The government is not going to come at you with a gun. They're going to come at you with a drone. It's going to be. So how do we end up taking it's going to be February 6th, except the dude we're up against has drones. You know, the government is going to play around if they decide. I mean, I, I'm just going on an apocalypse now. Yeah, you yeah know, of course. They, but that's the reality of it. The only, It's going to be a lot of violence and it's not going to be gun on gun violence. It's going to be military style oppression violence. Absolutely. And I think Fernando was alluding to January 6th when it comes to what's happening in suburbs all over this country. I've talked about this before. We have many arms races going on every single borough, every single suburb. There's a neighbor who has 10 guns and his neighbor then needs to get 11. We have people who are collecting, hoarding weapons for God knows what. And again, we've seen now with COVID, anything can happen. Things go crazy. And I think there's a lot of conspiracy theorists that have been able to flourish over 2020 because there has been a lot of misinformation. There is a lot of like, what the hell is the government doing again? I just don't know if as a country, if we are at a point where we are more willing to give up our guns now than we were eight years ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it just seems it's, it's a scary proposition because there is really the genie is out of the bottle And again, it reminds me of my my uh, fantastic political science professor. I believe his name was Stephen Red in uh, in Milwaukee University. He taught me a lot about foreign policy. And basically, one of the things he did first day of class, he grabbed somebody's backpack and then he was like, get it back for me. And then the person was like, may I have it back? May I have my backpack back? And he was like, no. Now, what are you going to do? These things heighten very quickly. And if the government says we are going to ban the sale of AR-15s, first of all, we still have millions and millions on the street that are that are flooded. Right. The market is completely flooded. And then second of all, you're going to have the opposition forces just 
God knows what's going to happen. But then again, we also can't live in a world of fear. Right. Well, um, the legislation you mentioned, the Manchin-Toomey bill, you know, the, the biggest problem, I mean, the House already has two uh, gun control legislation. They, they've already got two bills ready to go. Um, many of your moderates, your Manchins on the left and your, your Toomeys and your Collinses on the right, um, they've all said the House's bills go too far. They're too broad. So that's already that's a conversation that's already been happening. So the best chance the Senate has and it is interesting. It's from 2013. So from whatever mass shooting happened in 2013, right? right. We've become so numb talking about so this. Sad. You know, it's, you see all the memes right now. It's like, well, at least the world's getting back to normal because we have a mass shooting every week. It's very sad. I think it's, oh it's certainly sadder that we've been looking at legislation since 2013. And it's a very modest. It doesn't have much teeth. It is literally just about expanding universal background checks on commercial sales. And Joe Manchin says that, you know, a commercial sale, well, you don't know the person, you want to get a background check. A private sale or a family sale, you know the person. But the problem Which is with a not lot of, necessarily true. Um, of course, the problem is a lot of times you just don't know the intent. Even if you know the person, you may not know their intent when you sell them a gun. So this is according to Senator Rob Portman. He is out of Ohio. That's my senator. That's your senator for better or for worse. Worse. All right. He says, tightening the background check system is possible. The House bill, however, is too broad and goes too far for the Senate. But I think something is possible. Not exactly a warm blanket for those suffering at the hands of gun violence when we have the senator saying, I think something is possible. It is statistically proven that by the amount of shootings that have happened that your family will not tell you you can't have this gun. I mean, look at all these all these guys, their families, let them have these guns. So if you don't think that if you think that not stopping private sales isn't part of the problem, you're not understanding the problem again. And as uh, Travis uh, alluded to Joe Manchin, he says he comes from a gun culture. And this is a quote, he says, uh, when it comes to banning uh, transactions, when it comes to selling AR-15s, he says commercial transactions should be background checked commercial you don't know a person if i know a person no but that is the massive gun show loophole right. that we have been talking about for a long long time basically as travis said like the movie saw or like the movie hostel any teeth from this bill have been pulled out in dramatic fashion oh yeah a long time ago this is no more than leatherface's grandpa trying to gum a steak. This is not even going to do anything when it comes to curbing gun violence. And it still can't pass. Right. It still can't it pass. It still can't pass. So I, I don't want to be doom and gloom because I'm also and not, uh, you know, don't I don't want the libertarians listening to be like, what the hell? What's going on? Two A. Second <laughs> Amendment, man. I'm with you. Protect yourself. Protect your land. The question that we have in this country and it's a larger question that you can break out into social media. You can break out into isolation. You can break out into how ironic it is that we are theoretically more connected than ever, but yet more apart than we've ever seemed to be. There are so many social issues. But when it comes to the gun itself, do not look to the federal government for legislation to pass because you're going to hold your breath and you're going to be the next David Blaine on Oprah because it will be a magical feat <laughs> if you survive. Um, the government isn't good with these surgical procedure like because we, the government is funded by the people who sell the guns. Oh, the NRA much. gave twenty million dollars to the Republican Party in twenty fifteen. The NRA, technically a nonprofit, just like the Lincoln Project, the NRA needs to be completely and utterly audited. It should not still be. I don't believe they pay taxes. I believe the NRA is still a nonprofit technically. They have so much money in their coffers. Where is the money going? It's all going to the top elites at the NRA. There's only 4 million members. Right. It's not even that large of a group. But if you think about the political power, they might as well have 200 million. There was a hearing in August 2019 about, you know, gun lobbying and everything. And this Florida National Rifle Association lobbyist said, if I were an owner of one of these firearm manufacturing companies, I wouldn't wait to see what these voters would do. If they were allowed to go on the ballot, I'd be out of there. So they're, they're basically they're telling these, you know, these senators and stuff. If this even goes on the ballot, you will lose our support. 
Oh, you of know, course. It's not even if this pass if this even goes on the so these the, what these will, cowards, you know, right? Yeah, are we, they going to do it? Well, we, we had a situation in Ohio where we had the uh, shooting in, in Dayton, right? A uh, big, terrible, you know, one of the worst mass shootings in Ohio history. And Mike DeWine, our governor, who I ran against, uh, he went down there and everyone yelled at him from the crowd, do something. And Mike DeWine took a, again, a pretty common sense uh, gun control legislation bill to the Ohio uh, State House. And the Ohio State House is controlled by even crazier Republicans. Then Mike DeWine. So that is where that gun legislation failed. The the processes right. of getting any of this enacted and then hoping that it actually does something is so massive to think about. And then that goes back to the conversation we were having last week about the filibuster. And thank you all so much for your um, added input, by the way, about should the Dems do away with the filibuster or not. But let's just say that they do and uh, perhaps they pass some kind of legislation Although I don't even think they have the votes for that. Yeah. Apparently Manchin. But then what happens on the flip side? Right. Apparently Manchin and Cinema from Arizona oppose changing the filibuster rule. Kirsten Cinema, of course, the Democrat out of Arizona. She, Manchin, I am sympathetic to this in a political sense, where if you're Joe Manchin and you're Kirsten Cinema, you're lucky to be seated right. in a state that is extreme. Both states pretty red. But it also makes you just have to bend in such weird political pretzels that it makes your mind like want to expand and and blow up like you're fed up and you can't take it anymore. I mean, it is so strange in this country and the amount of distrust in the federal government and rightfully so is really seen most when it comes to gun legislation and the lack thereof. I think that that really is the case, because if you look at people and you you listen to people, I don't know if I've ever ran into a citizen who trusted the government. Right. Like just a really, whether it be the left, the right, the middle, the up or the down. I don't know anyone. And so when it comes to something like this, where you have a product that all of a sudden the government is going to say, I don't want it. And then, of course, the flip side of that is, well, if I consent and I give you my weapon, the criminal's not going to give you their weapon, yada, 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 so forth and so on. And the circle continues, the circle of death. And it really is sad. And that's why I didn't even really want to talk about guns today, because I don't have an answer. There's no I don't have an answer. I don't think the federal government is going to give us an answer. And I think as soon as. You know, we also talk about the flip 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 side of this, the 1033 program, the uh, militarization of our police. Yes. All of a sudden, there's a ban on guns, and now the cops have assault-style weapons with former military tanks. They have ro- drones. They have drones. They have robot dogs. <laughs> so we're, we, we have one, we have a arms race, not just within our civilian population, but it's an arms race also with the police. So we have civilians in an arm race with local police precincts. And sometimes that comes to a head in places like Ruby Ridge. You want to know the cherry on top to all of this, boys? None of these people have mental health support. None of these people have good health care. And that is another problem. Another problem. Yeah, it starts with the 700 plus billion dollar military budget we have annually. That is where your tax dollars are going. That trickles down to the local police precincts, which is why you got a Hummer on your local street in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. That's right. The 1033 program has taken all the extra equipment over the last 20 plus years and put it onto the streets in your communities, into the police hands. And meanwhile, like you said, everyone is buying up guns. Millions of AR-15s are around the country. If you make those illegal, you're making millions of people criminals. Yeah, And then it goes back to the larger, larger, larger conversation about community and about how we don't have one or we need to get back to it. I don't even really know what that means because the leave it to beaver world never existed. However, we need to have and when people open up and things open up and people can come out together again, I really think that's going to help. I really do. Hopefully. But the flip side again is, as we saw in Las Vegas, mass groups of people can lead to a mass tragedy at any moment in this country. And the paramount feeling is fear. People are scared. That's why when Obama got elected, gun sales rose through the roof. 
And when Trump got elected, gun sales rose through the roof. Right. Because people are scared. And, and then when Biden got elected, gun, gun sales, sales rose through the roof. And there's been a line at every gun store since the pandemic started. Exactly. You know? So, and then you can also talk about, like, the Sullivan Act. Uh, you know, there's a series of other gun legislations that put that were put forward, uh, put forth in the 60s to disarm the Black Panther Party, for example. That's right. There's a lot of different people. Uh, th- this is not our, our binary media. Because that is how they monetize CNN, MSNBC and Fox News. They are binary media. And that is how they monetize, because that's how they they find their people. It's very easy. It's very basic. And they're destroying our country. However, because of that, we don't have that conversation about the amount of different types of people who love guns in this country and for the amount of different reasons. And again, the paramount reason being fear. Oh, yeah. I mean, whether that be whether that be rational or irrational. You think about someone like Bernie Sanders, who caught such flack in the 2016 primary. More guns than any state in the country, I believe, per capita. Per capita. Yeah, because it has such a small population. But that's what Bernie, he went out into those primaries. He said, look, uh, I've supported every gun control measure that when I was a congressman, when I've been a senator. But when it comes to Vermont, you know, we got a lot of hunters. They like their guns. They like their guns. What are you going to do? You don't need an assault rifle exactly. to hunt deer. It's going to be a very, no, it's a lazy hunter. What kind of yeah. deer is that that you are trying to kill uh, with this thing? Well, it's going to be very full of bullets. It's going to be very it. full of Roundup after uh, the Biden administration <laughs> sprays it with chemicals so they can kill cocaine. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Well, this is a, a, a proper expansion of this conversation when it comes to H.R. 1. This is some legislation the Democrats have wanted to put forth. And you'll be happy to know, people who yell at me on Reddit, I approve of this measure 100%. I like it. I like, I like it. So basically, H.R. 1, it is called the For the People Act. Uh, it is a voting rights act. And as I have said many, many times in this country, the number one uh, the number one privilege you have is being a citizen. When you're a citizen of this country, that is number one. That is paramount over everything. Because if you are not a citizen, I mean, it's just they, they make life a living freaking hell for you here. Quick plug for automatic voter registration. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is an H.R. 1. And the interesting thing is, is it's getting a lot of pushback from Republicans saying, if this passes, we'll never win again. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's their concern. And I'll take their word for it. <laughs> So this is some of the key tenets of the bill. It would overhaul the nation's election system by allowing for no excuse mail voting. No problem. I think that we should be able to have mail in voting. It's not the most. I think we should be able to vote for from a text. But, you know, whatever. At least 15 days of early voting. No problem there. Um, what's the pro- What's the fear? More people voting, the more accurate the representation will theoretically be in Washington. Automatic voter registration. It's your constitutional right. I have no problem with that. And of course, restoring voting rights to felons who have completed their prison sentence. I'm so proud. I agree with all of it. I agree with all of it. So the only problem that the Republicans see is more people are going to vote. Oh, no. And they are deeply concerned that their policies might not be seen as good for the greater whole. Not just more people, a very specific kind of people, people that won't have to take their day off work. 
if they want to go vote. Yes. People that may not have access to all the, you know, all the securities that other people have in order mm-hmm. to get that voting done on that special day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oregon and, and Colorado are, uh, have extensive mail-in voting. They've had it for years and years and years. Fine. So basically the model that we saw adopted in 2020 by a lot of these states with emergency clauses, emergency legislation because of the COVID situation, these procedures have already been done for years in many states and it's worked fine. Are we still debating the Pony Express? Just vote, but just, it's the mail. It'll be fine. You know, and the idea, and we've talked about this so many times, like the idea of like illegal people voting. The last thing, if you're undocumented, the last place you want to be is a federal building or a government situation where they can just detain you. If you are an undocumented person and you go be like, I would like to vote. And they're like, oh, you're not documented. You're now in the worst possible place for you to be <laughs> because you will simply be detained right there. Like people who are, um, I don't want to say in the, well, they are in the darkness. They are the, you know, there is a, you know, the people who the federal government don't recognize as citizens. They're not going to go and risk their entire lives to vote for someone who probably is lying to them anyway. Right. Mexican citizens specifically wouldn't be worried because they can still vote even if they are over here, Ben. Because that's never been an issue in Mexico. You, As long as you have your card, you can vote no matter where. They even count it. They put it on the news. Here are all the foreigners that have voted. Oh, yes. I love, I do love the Americans abroad vote. Anytime there's a primary or they count them after, that's always like. And speaking of mail-in voting, you know who's done that for a while? Donald Trump. All the soldiers we've sent overseas. Exactly. Yeah, no. There's a, the uh, soldiers have been doing mail-in voting for how long have we been in a global war? Right. 50 years? So it's not about the fact that it doesn't work. It's been proven to work. It's about the fact that they understand that more people are going to be voting now. Millions of people. And again, if I'm a Republican, I would say, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, they're so <laughs> self-defeating. Yeah, they're, so, they're like, no one we're, likes us. We're never going to win. <laughs> we're a bunch of fat bastards. Oh, they're going to hate us. It's like, well, maybe you could be better. That means, and maybe this will force them to be better. I feel that that means they on understand their legislation is just evil. And so, you know, they truly are. Oh, true. my gosh. <laughs> the, the amount of voter restriction. Absolutely. Legislation that's gone through. I mean, I remember Ohio 2004. You remember Florida 2000. It always comes down to what the Republicans, and I got to say, it's usually the Republicans who are passing bills to make it harder uh, for people to vote. There's a Republican Absolutely. secretaries of state for decades who have made sure, specifically in Ohio 2004, that um, precincts that were going to be more Democratic, more African-American population, those were the precincts that got less voting machines that day. Imagine <laughs> and, that. And if you think this is a conspiracy th- theory, please look no further than when Brian Kemp purged the voting rolls in Georgia when he was running against Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams called out by the right because she got people out to vote and registered people, which was fantastic. Nothing nefarious about that. And of course, as we learned from CPAC, uh, the Republican Party plans on doing a lot of gerrymandering and redistricting as we go forward here. Flip side of that, when we talk about access to the vote, we did see this happened in uh, the primary in 2016 with Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. In Arizona, for example, Hillary Clinton and her campaign, they, I believe the state had 20 voting uh, areas. They cut it down to two because I remember they didn't that. want Bernie Sanders to get the support of the people of Arizona, and they figured that he probably would. It's a working class people. Uh, I'm sorry, of um, of Nevada. It's a working class people, a lot of service industry people, and a lot of people who might agree with Bernie Sanders. So this happens all the time. And it's real, and it needs to be addressed. And H.R. 1, the legislation, I like it because mail-in voting, we no longer have to be beholden to the powers that be that allow us to have access to the vote. I'm thinking about Netflix. Like, we're not even in the area of now. I just watched the last blockbuster, a documentary on Netflix. It was okay. Not that great, but it was Lloyd Kaufman has an appearance in there. He does. He's a psychopath. (laughs) But you think about getting DVDs in the mail and blockbuster goes out of business. We're still in the 1990 family video version of voting. Right. (laughs) Like the fan, like the fact that we still have to like, trust one of these monolithic groups with negative intent, nefarious intent to like keep 
keep the voting booth open, please. On my way here, uh, driving here, I was actually thinking of a list of things I could do online that are probably like just as secure, if not more legitimate than, than setting up to vote. And I was like, I can get a credit card online. I can sign up for my green card online. Huh. I can Weird. get a license online, you know? Yeah. I mean, and in terms of like voter fraud, I mean, election fraud, we've talked about that. Uh, Robert Fatrakis, professor Fantastic. from Ohio has come in and talked about election fraud. That's about who's counting the votes. Voter fraud is insanely uh, difficult to do. In fact, I feel, um, Someone made a great point on social media that we've actually lost more people in mass shootings in the last two weeks. That's 18 than instances of reported voter fraud wow. in the 2020 election. And yet there's 100 bills trying to restrict and take on voter fraud in state legislatures around such the country. A, such a straw man, boogeyman argument. That is a really sad statement and powerful. It's a hell of a lot better than Michael Moore's tweet. <sighs> What did Michael Moore say? He just retweeted Bowling for Columbine again, I think. No, Michael Moore said, it's just nice that he's assimilated to America or something like that. Oh, that's right. And with the picture of the Statue of Liberty, Michael Moore can just, I don't even know, how dirty is his keyboard? Michael Moore? Can you imagine the crumbs? And just, (laughs) just, it's not even crumbs, it's true filth. Not even his keyboard under his boobs? Oh, Uh, Michael Moore, I don't know. Uh, Truly, I love Roger and me. His first document. Did you ever see it, Fernando? I did not. Roger Moore. I promise you, Roger Moore's first documentary. Michael Moore. I'm sorry. Yeah, not Rod. Not 007. (laughs) Michael. I'm confusing Roger Stone and Michael Moore. And really, you could argue Roger Stone is just a much better version of Michael Moore because he actually gets what he wants done. Michael Moore. I don't even know what Michael Moore is anymore, to be honest. But Roger and me was a fantastic documentary about Flint, Michigan, about the powers that be destroying Flint, Michigan. He got some really unbelievable footage, but then something happened to his mind and and maybe his ego ballooned like his waistline. I don't know, but he, he lost... He lost something. I don't know what happened. Well, I'd like to throw in a quick plug for Canadian Bacon starring John Candy. That was a Michael Moore. This is only um, fiction. This is only. I had no idea that Michael Moore directed Canadian Bacon. We're going to get back to voting here in a second, but we've got to talk about our fat boy love for for Canadian Bacon. Yeah, it's very good. And it's very funny. And then but you're right. And then after that, then he did Bullying for Columbine, which he used selective editing, made guys like Trey Parker, Matt Stone look silly. Um, He just he he pretended like he had a South Park cartoon that wasn't made by South Park. You could have just asked them to make it. Yeah. Right. They probably of course, would've. they would have said no. <laughs> no, they're they're very I, I don't know what their political viewings are. I believe that they're a little bit more libertarian though. Um all right. So this is according to uh Mark Weaver. He is a GOP consultant based in Ohio. And again, we're talking about HR1. Uh, just to refresh people's memories, this would allow you to vote 15 days out from the election. It would be no excuse mail-in voting. It would restore felon voting rights after they have completed their sentence, okay? So they have paid their due to society and made a hell of a lot of cheap labor and made a hell of a lot of goods for very cheap, specifically for the U.S. military and a whole bunch of other companies. Any furniture and any DMV and any government office was probably made by them. Yep. Absolutely. So think about that. Thank a prisoner every time you take a seat in the government sit uh, in a government office. Most likely that seat you're sitting on was made by somebody who was incarcerated. So voting rights for felons restored, 15 days early voting, no excuse mail-in voting, no problems there. This is according to Mark Weaver. He is a Republican consultant. This is what he has to say. H.R. 1 is an attempt to use the Democrats' slim majority to unlevel the playing field and take away the rights of roughly half of the voters in the country. Take away? I How? No. Oh, boy. These Again, guys- it is this zero-sum binary thinking where it's like, if they vote, they've taken away my vote. It's like, no, you both vote. And if you guys had dueling sides, yeah, you kind of cancel each other out until one side gets more votes. But that's oh. democracy. Exactly. Oh. So I am immensely supportive of this bill. This is according to Jay Williams, a Republican strategist. This is what they had to say. If the Democrats pass H.R. 1, it's going to be absolutely devastating for the Republicans in this country. It's insane how scared they are of this. He goes on to say they're just going to basically just shaft so many Republicans in places where they would actually have opportunities to pick up. So isn't it sad? The Republican party is sad that maybe more people are going to vote in this country. Here's the world's smallest violin. Go play it in your fancy tub and look at your wife 
who you haven't had sex with in 30 years. <laughs> because nobody gives a crap that you're sad. It's so hard. It's ridiculous to me. Yeah, for them to complain about that after decades. I mean, I've, decades. George W. Bush, 2000, 2004. I can look at so many elections that are just swayed by the fact that certain precincts didn't have enough voting machines and people were staying outside for hours and couldn't vote. And that's basically what the Republicans are arguing in favor of. Lines out the door of people who eventually won't be able to vote. And it's just incredible that the rationale was like, it's going to cancel out your vote. They will do the mental gymnastics exactly. they're doing to hide how evil their intentions actually are to hurt people, <laughs> to hurt poor but people. But they're not even hiding it. They're literally like, if the poor vote, we are <laughs> fucked, We're guys. Fucked. We're fucked. The, uh, so, so that's the trick. You can't be poor, guys. Don't, you know, uh, th- th- that's how they manipulate you next. You I know, anti-poor people and convincing you. To- <laughs> well, and, and that ties into uh, theology. Unfortunately, there is a wing of the evangelical movement that believes truly that people who are poor were smited by God because they must have done something wrong in the past. Uh, and it's we are rich because we're closer to the Lord. Uh, it's disgusting. Merit-based wealth is such a joke. It's the exact it's, opposite of what the Bible says and what right. Jesus said. The only thing that we have merit-based, and this is why I'm thankful for the internet in some ways, is thank God we actually have some merit in we our small d democratized um, entertainment system now. You know, where people can just like they can just listen to what they want to listen to. Right, right, right. And whatever is listened to the most, people are like, that's really successful. You vote with your dollar. You vote with your dollar. You vote with your ears and you vote with your brain. And I just got to throw this out there because it taps in what we were talking about with the gun control legislation is what are the chances H.R. 1? Obviously, it can get through the House, but it hits the Senate. I mean, what are we looking at? It doesn't look good. And that's why, again, the Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster and if they got rid of the filibuster, perhaps it could pass then. And then, and then could we get the filibuster back? Because well, yeah. I sort of like that. <laughs> well, they pick. Maybe they'll pick up enough seats then to win in 2022. If they're trying to get this done before 22, that's an interesting strategy because then you win the Senate um, and then you've got 60 votes and it's free, smooth also, sailing. Can I just ask this question? Are felons particularly Democrats? Um, I don't know. Like, I also like there's this also this inference that poor people and former felons or whatever are going to vote Democrat. I don't know if that's true. One thing I'll point out in um, great documentary 13 about the 13th amendment. Yes. And that is just that most of the felons right now are um, of color. Yes. Africans, Americans, Latinos, men, uh, predominantly, and they're usually there for drug crimes. We still have 2.5 million people in jail for drug crimes, and they then become felons, and then they can't vote. So that's why it's such an interesting federal idea. Exactly what you were going to say. I was going to say it's, most of these people are people of color, and it's nonviolent crimes, you know, like weed, having a joint. And so it's it's manipulating of those people. Optimal people word, bit of weed. Optimal right. word. But would they vote Democrat? I don't know. Optimal word. Male. Yes. Very much males. I think that men <gasps> skew slightly Male more conservative. In ba- voting. Oh my god. Male. Oh, you got oh, it. What about god. female in voting? Oh. All right. <laughs> I'm done. You did that to me. I'm sorry about I'm so that. Mad at you. But I do wonder. It'll be interesting once we do have people who have served their time allowed to vote again. Once we get the data from how they actually vote. I don't know. Well, because it's not like the Democrats have been particularly like good to them, you know, (laughs) right. And there's and you learn some pretty negative racial opinions, I would assume, in uh, prison. I don't know. We just I, I think it's a it might be a false assumption that they're immediately going to be supporters of the Democratic Party. They have a genuine just trust of the government, which has shown you tends to lean Republican. Exactly. Very interesting. And I will say, um, uh, uh, not most, but uh, plenty of states, I don't know the exact number, have started to enact um, uh, voting rights for felons. Again, I believe Florida, uh, it passed there. So this is just federally having it so every state has to do it. Because some states are not doing it. You know, it's, it's, it's left up to the states. So it's an interesting concept to say, hey, from the federal government, all states need to do this. Yes. I also want to clarify one point. I was I did make a mistake, and I looked on Reddit, and somebody was mad at my stance <laughs> on the $15 minimum wage, which I don't think oh, they fully you understood. you were on Reddit. Yeah. Mm. I don't think that they fully understood what I was saying. But when it comes to people who are poor, I believe if you are a multinational corporation, the minimum wage should be $15. Fucking dollars. You can afford to, but Jeff Bezos can afford it. Walmart yes. can afford it 100%. Exactly. The only thing I was saying was if you run you know, Mabel's pie shop, it might be a little bit more difficult when you're 
cost and your overhead are so unbelievably small right. where maybe you're making 10 grand a year. Like people have a misconception of that small business owners are rich. Most of them are just working to they're keep break, the doors breaking open. Breaking even. That's, usually. Uh, that's as good as you can get. If they're so, even breaking even. If they're even breaking even. So when it comes to the minimum wage, just to put that conversation, because people are, they don't know if they listen, <laughs> but multinational corporations, Walmarts, um, transnational corporations, they should pay so much more. I would almost argue it should be roughly 20 times less than what the company CEOs make, perhaps something like that. You could break it down mathematically or 50 times, whatever. Even if the even if the minimum wage was 200 times less than the earnings for that year, they would still be making 70 bucks an hour. I mean, these are multi-billion dollar corporations. Bernie Sanders highlighted that um, the, the CEO pay in this country has gone from the CEO making 30 times more than a worker in the 70s to 300 times more than a worker. And they're not doing a better job. Nope. I'd say a lot of these companies so. still pretty bad. And these are industries that you may not notice that are being affected, like airline industries. You know, uh, flight attendants don't make a lot of money. They pilots really don't make a lot of money. The, I know. I saw this thing about pilots being on welfare because in some states they qualify for it because they're that low as a single. I think the average, it's like 70, but there was you started like 45,000. Yeah, you started at 40, which means in California you could technically get food stamps or EBT at that level. As I an just, airline pl- pilot. Can I you believe that? I want my pilots to be so yeah, happy. I really want my pilots happy, man. <laughs> 40 grand a year with an ex-wife staring down a phone bill <laughs> as he crashes into a mountain. As I'm in the back, just be like, now have another Bloody Mary. Everything seems to be going pretty good on this flight. <laughs> so, you know, it's not just oh. restaurants. It's we're, we're talking about it's all industries. Truly, the whole working class would be affected by something like this. They Abs- really would. Absolutely. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right. Well, speaking of which, uh, Travis mentioned the war on drugs, which is evidently ramping up right in front of our eyes. As I mentioned earlier in the show, dozens of White House staffers have been suspended or asked to resign because they admitted to smoking a little bit of weed back in the day. Of course, marijuana is legal in now 14 states, including the District of Columbia, where they work. My question is, do they have a lawsuit? Ooh, well, can you be fired if you're smoking a substance or taking a substance that's legal in the state that you're taking it? I have personal experience with this because technically, as a immigrant in this country, I have to obey all federal, state and immigration laws and federal and immigration law says I can't, you know, be touching cannabis. I can't be involved in it. I can't be involved in an industry that has any involvement in it. So it's horrible. So so think about that. You know, what you're talking about really does mean Things like that. Oh, absolutely. So it's kind of like a funny story where it's like stoners got fired. No, this is really significant stuff. And I don't understand how somebody within the Democratic Party doesn't just sneak an executive order in legalizing federal use of marijuana. All you got to do is the Democrats it. would win yeah. so much. I thought Donald Trump was going to do it on November 1st. Right. Of this path. I literally was just like, he's just going to legalize weed. This guy is going to throw a Hail Mary out there and see what the hell happens. I don't get why Biden doesn't want to do that. But we do know that Biden has said personally, he still thinks of marijuana on the same level as heroin, which I also believe should be legal because it is legal. You can go to your pharmacy and get it right now. He still sees it as the same thing that we learned in the movie Reefer Madness. He thinks it's going to turn the frogs gay. It's just (laughs) as insane. Alex Jones's idea 
about chemtrails and turning frogs gay is just as crazy as Joe Biden's idea that marijuana is a dangerous, dangerous narcotic. I think that's what he's saying. But what he truly believes is that it is the war on drugs is a jobs program. And he's got a lot of lobbyists that that are all about these jobs that this war on drugs generates. Yeah. And there's a lot of money generated from trying to keep the weed out of people's hands. That is a great point. Very good point. Oh, sure. I mean, Joe Biden has signaled this from. Uh, day one of his campaign, he's he doesn't well, want the guys behind the crime bill for crime. Exactly, he's he's fought for it for decades. It is very interesting, obviously, that Kamala Harris was not one of the employees asked to leave. She kind of just did the Homer Simpson meme and kind of faded back into the bushes. And of course, that joke is funny because uh, she actively incarcerated people when she was the prosecutor here in California, and then she laughed about smoking weed. I believe she said with Tupac. She said that she would do it while listening to a song. She did it in college, but the song was not out while she was in college. Her own father called uh, called her bluff on that one. Yeah. To so. me, this is Elon Musk, billionaire, smoking a joint on yes. Joe Rogan's podcast. But me as an engineer, I can't work there because I tested, you know, yep. I tested positive for weed. Oh the hypocrisy God. is so gross and it's so obvious. And one of the easiest ways to eliminate that hypocrisy, just reschedule it. Reschedule it. Yeah, it's a and simple. And change it on a federal level. Simple executive order. I mean, talk about blast from the past. I, I've been researching this for eight years since my um, my uh, thesis at Columbia University Journalism School. Oh. It was all about what do states, what do counties do when the federal law is different from the state law. And it's, it's a great point. I mean, these people work in D.C. It's legal in D.C. And here they are uh, being told, not even for actively smoking it on the job or anything. No one's walking no. around smoking a blunt on the White, white House lawn, although that sounds pretty no. cool. Um, they just no. said that they did it at some point in their past. Barack Obama admitted to using marijuana. And they inhaled. And, hey, they, and that was no, the that was Bill. Oh, no, no, right. no. But then Obama said, yes, I did inhale oh, because that right. was the point. And it was a great line. He was cool. <laughs> yeah. But again... Meanwhile, <laughs> it's still illegal. Yeah. And the irony, again, is all of these people for political to make themselves look human for political reasons will say, I smoked weed. But then look at the policies that they are smoking or look at the policies. It look seems like the they're policies. smoking. <laughs> but look at the policies that they are either enacting or allowing to stay. And uh, in place. And you're just like, I. then technically, I hate you even more because you're the worst kind of person. You're the person who does something and then tells someone else not to. And not just tells them not to, incarcerates them for doing it. What is it? Hippocrates? Oh, hypocrites. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll smoke that policy. Well, according to the Daily Beast, they talked to one White House uh, staffer affected by the policy. This uh, They would think they wanted to be anonymous. They said there were one-on-one calls with individual affected staffers, rather ex-staffers. And I do like that they called them effective staffers as if as if. The weed was the problem. It's the policy that's the problem. It contaminated them, Ben. I know. I know. People were extremely confused. Apparently, a bunch of the people were like, nothing was ever explained. They told us we, if we smoked weed, it wouldn't be a problem. So on and so forth. Please, God, somebody in the Biden administration just legalize weed. However, we are going in the opposite direction. And the last thing this country needs right now is an increase of the war on drugs which, as we all know, is a war on the poor, a war on the brown and black people of this country, because for all intents and purposes, weed has been legal for white people forever. So the this the government can control what you do in the privacy of your own home when you're off the clock. Yep. Is that what this is saying? If you are. Yeah. I mean, if you are for this policy, you are wrong on everything. Absolutely. I mean, you're just wrong. There's something about, you know, maybe a private company. You know, if you're working at heavy machinery, things like sure. that, they don't want you to be stoned. But this, I mean, you're sitting in the White House with Joe Biden all day. I'd like to be stoned, please. I would need to be stoned just to he laugh when he falls upstairs. <laughs> I've never seen someone fall, fall upstairs. upstairs. It's very unusual. Drug tests also, to me, seem very skewed towards anti marijuana. Because, you know, cocaine's out of your system in a few in a day, the methamphetamines, all that stuff's Mm -hmm. out of your system in a few days. Marijuana's the one that stays, and that's the one. So they're really, you know. And also with marijuana, they they tie it to cultures, specific cultures. What cultures, then? Exactly. The jazz culture. The jazz culture. Mm. It's like, did you want to say anything? No, the basketball culture. (laughs) Is there anything else? I don't know. The people, the tall people. (laughs) Uh, Yes, they tie it 
and then they make it a cultural thing. And if you're weed, you're just like, I'm just weed. I haven't done anything to anybody. <gasps> weed sounds I'm like puffin. Puffin is weed. Oh. I am puffin weed. <laughs> I haven't done anything to anybody wrong. They make all these rules. I'm just weed. <laughs> oh, puffin. All right. Well, after a six year halt, uh, Columbia now plans to restart, of course, at the behest of Pre- President Joe Biden. They plan to restart a toxic aerial spraying campaign to get rid of all the coca. Uh, This is just going to lead to a lot of cancer. Apparently, this has been stopped uh, for the past six years because it was shown that Roundup, which is the chemical that they use, uh, I guess it's glyphosate. I don't know what the hell that says. Glyphosate, also known as Roundup. Apparently, it's extremely uh, harmful not only to the environment, but also to the people who work around it causing cancer. My question here is, how isn't even from the environmentalist movement? Isn't aren't Joe Biden stopped the Keystone Pipeline? Isn't he supposed to be like super caring about the environment? And now he's basically spraying a poor man's Agent Orange all over Colombia. I I also was, you know, trying to read more into this article because we get all our cocaine, legal cocaine. That's how lidocaine is made. That's how everything that goes into your teeth and stuff. It's all cocaine. It's all from the coca plant. So is this only like illegal fields? How are they? So basically, it's probably the people who didn't pay off the government. Exactly. I was going to say it's probably some very Ah. nefarious strings got pulled and said, you know what? These coca plants got to go. But all of ours get to stay. Yeah. It's amazing when you look at uh, the countries that receive the most foreign aid from the United States, from your taxpayer dollars. Colombia is over 100 million, maybe even more than that, um, constantly because they're just constantly fighting this war on drugs that seems to never work because everyone in America, specifically in Wall Street, Hollywood, and Washington, D.C., love cocaine. And as I said, it's not a war on drugs. It's a war on the poor. This is according to Jose Miguel Vavacano. He is America's director of Human Rights Watch. He says... Many peasants grow coca because it's their only profitable crop, given weak local food markets, inadequate roads, and lack of formal land titles. Sustainable progress in reducing coca production can only be achieved by ensuring that farmers have a prop have a profitable alternative, and there is no amount of glyphosate that can achieve that. So basically, the economy in these areas is devastated. This is the only way these farmers can make money. And when we think about like drug dealers, these are just working class people. If they lived in Idaho, they would be farming potatoes. Right. But this is the crop they have. And when it comes to cocaine itself, be number one, extremely safe. The Ben Kissel rule is if it comes in a bag, I say, no, thank you, hag. (laughs) Uh, I am good because you can't trust it. I don't trust any of this stuff because it's cut with horrible things like fentanyl, pure as the driven snow cocaine. Right. Oh, my goodness. I I could go for some of that. Well, yeah. I mean, anything that comes to the United States has already been processed. Like you said, lots of terrible things in it. It is interesting. Check out um, Oliver Stone's documentary, South of the Border. He actually sits with Evo Morales, president of Bolivia, who is, like you said, he's of that working class. He's of the the, the farmers, the farmer class in Bolivia. And, yeah, they're just eating um, coca leaves. Raw, because raw, it's very healthy. It's, it's like caffeine. It's just a yeah. stimulant, um, and yeah, there's, it's just, not overprocessed. Right. It, it's a it's a tradition in that culture. And it's still just a plant. It's still just At a plant. At the end of the day, and you know, I'm sitting here drinking three monster energy drinks. Um, I've had five coffees. I'm just <laughs> like, those guys are gross <laughs> right. putting that leaf in their mouth. <laughs> I'm, I'm having my monster drink. Yes. To put some numbers on this for you guys, uh, the National Coca Company imports from Peru 100 metric, metric tons of dry coca leaf every year, mm. and the cocaine-free extract is sold to the Coca-Cola Company, and the cocaine itself is sold to a farmer's company Malinkcroft. I can't. Interesting. Say that right. Wow. So very interesting. A hundred so metric fa- tons. So basically, they're taking out big pharma's competition. Way oh, more. Like, oh, you know. it's almost like it's all connected, man. Isn't that strange? All right. Well, just lastly, speaking of it's all connected. January sixth. What happened wasn't an accident. This is actually something that Roger Stone has been planning since 2016 when they thought they were going to lose. And they miraculously won. I don't know. I I guess they were happy. I don't know. But in 2016, Roger Stone, assuming that Trump would lose, because I think we all kind of did in many ways, 
he organized something called Stop the Steal. It was a rally that was supposed to take place after Donald Trump lost because he was supposed to, but he didn't. So they had to wait four years until he did. And then Roger Stone could enact his most recent piece of political theater, Stop the Steal, which led to an insurrection at the Capitol, which led to a lot of people being arrested, facing extremely serious charges, who are now looking around for Donald Trump to save them. But believe it or not, he's not there as they stare at a wall and uh, take a dump in a toilet right next to another fellow. So back in 2016, Stone first set up the group Stop the Steal which raised false claims that the election was going to be stolen from Trump. This is one of the areas where I try to find the silver lining. 2016, you can't argue our democracy failed because it was like nobody wanted him to win. And then when he did, everyone's like, I guess it worked. I guess he did get uh, less votes, but the Electoral College, the way it broke down, it like they all were so ready to be like, it was stolen. And then the process was like, well, we've, Giving you the victory. Right. And they were like, oh, oh all right. Well, I'm, I'm going to come back. And, hmm, you're being nice to me now, huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah, when a campaign's advisors uh, don't even think you're going to win, that's that's when uh, you might be in some trouble over there. This is according to Mary McCord. She's a veteran prosecutor who led the National Security Division at the Department of Justice. So, again, MSNBC has been completely taken over by the CIA. It is an intelligence operation. That's basically it. And I don't like the intelligence agencies. However, I will read from Mary McCord because she does have something interesting to say regarding Roger Stone. She says prosecutors follow the facts and evidence where they lead and certainly should be investigating any connections between Stone and those who are responsible for the insurrection on January 6th. If you're Roger Stone, like, doesn't he just want to retire? Isn't it exhausting? Like how, like if I was wrong, I have so much stress. I bought the little mayor from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and I turned his face to the stress face because that's us. (laughs) I'm like constantly like, oh God, I think it's going great. (laughs) If you're Roger Stone, don't you just want to like go to Florida, put your feet in the sand? Does he constantly, is he just trying to end up in prison? It's almost like it's a death wish of some kind. It seems like that it. he's had for decades. No, I remember when I first saw um, them doing a Stop the Steal rally um, on January 5th, right? The, that was the first one it was on the 5th. And then they yes. had a follow up in the morning of the 6th where and the Trump was, family showed that, up. That's where Donald Trump said, go to the Capitol and then gave them no direction other than to go through the Capitol. Right. Um, the first thing I also thought was Ugh. I remembered Roger having the Stop the Steal group in 2016. And it is interesting. Um, you know, it it goes back to January 6th. They were very unprepared for their own success. Like once they did actually get in the Senate <laughs> chamber, they were just like, well, well I guess I'll take some photos and uh, get a selfie and uh, I'll leave now. That's the defense of the Q shaman. His lawyer is like. He's so stupid. Uh, he wouldn't even know how to kill Mike Pence. Right. He just wanted a picture at the in the Capitol building. It's like, okay. Yes. And and like they're just I, trying to sell it like he's a tourist gone a little crazy. Right. I mean, <laughs> so Snap the Steel was a, another plan. They were unprepared for their success in 2016, which is so bizarre to think about that they had stopped the steel ready for 2016. And then they won. It was like, well, uh, shuffle that idea down the line. And again, it taps into that documentary. Get me Roger Stone on Netflix. It um, is interesting. Good pals over uh, back in New York City. Um, it's really what Roger Stone has done in his decades in American politics oh. is staggering. And uh, again, that movie came out in 2017, and we are still living with those consequences in 2021. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Manafort, Stone, Black, and uh, what was the other name? I forget. But I think it was just Manafort, Black, and Stone. They basically they they started. Um, it was basically gatekeepers to the president and they paid access. Yes. And then people were like, was that legal? And then it turns out that it is legal because um, every single decision seems to have gone their way. And they are one of the main reasons why uh, money has corrupted the American political system. So unbelievably horrible. Bad. 
It's very bad. Yes. And super PACs, too. You know, super PACs were a thing that no one even thought about bringing in. But then when it became clear, again, legally, that a, uh, a nonprofit, you can't endorse a candidate. There's certain C3s, C4s, there's a exactly. certain loophole. You can't endorse a candidate, but you sure as hell can lobby against a candidate. And that's where a lot of that fear-mongering, fear advertising comes and that, from. And that also goes in with Citizens United. The super PAC thing, it's relatively new. I believe this was our third cycle with the super PAC. Right, since they, uh, since Citizens United, it became so dark money became more even more years. legal. So basically, all the people would do, the politician would go make a YouTube video, and then the pack would watch the YouTube video and be like, "Oh, we know exactly what to do." It's the dumbest thing ever. The whole caveat of like, yes, but the politician can't have uh, uh, co- cooperation with the super pack. They can't talk to each other. Well, then how would they ever communicate? Right. There's no possible way for them to <laughs> communicate with each other. So it's just decades and decades of of this type of activity that Roger has engaged in. You know, it makes me think of um, right before he got indicted, uh, Michael Caputo was on MSNBC. Caputo. Um, and he was talking. He pretty much nailed it. He said Roger lied his own way into an indictment. Roger was making stuff up about being in touch with WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, and none of it was true. Right. And that's what got him in trouble with the FBI. To then he then lied to them, and then that got him his indictment. So this is, you know, he's a fascinating character, and he you learn is. a lot from him. But you also learn what not to do. Yep. Well, absolutely, you learn what not to do uh, for sure. That is, uh, I know. I, I I sort of wish that we didn't live in the same era. As Roger Stone, I wish that he was like Joseph McCarthy, where it's very interesting in hindsight to say, how did he get there? Oh, intriguing. But we didn't have to deal with it. Right. But we have to deal with it. So it's like as soon as like we're done with this and Stone is dead 20 years from down the road, I can say I'll look back and I'll say, well, that was a fascinating thing, isn't it? But right now, uh, just go to bed. Roger Stone, retire. Stop. Stop. But also remember. People are so easily manipulated. You know, Facebook, the Russians, they were setting up two dueling political views against one another. And they would go and they would have dueling um, rallies all put forth by the exact same person, the exact same organizer. This happens all the time. People, even the ones who think they've been red pilled, who call everyone else sheeple, believe it or not. They, too, are followers. Isn't that crazy? One would almost argue maybe the largest followers of one of the largest successful cults of all time in QAnon. All right. Well, be careful who you listen to and be careful what you find yourself caught up in. Because next thing you know, you're taking a selfie, sniffing AOC shoes, desperately trying to tell your parents that you are in need of more ramen because you're in jail. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope you're doing well out there. Um, okay, grievances. I'm sorry. Yeah, grievances. Fernando, uh, grievance. Legalize it. Tax it. Fund the schools with it. Perfect. Love it. Uh, grievance. Actually, not a grievance. More of an excitement. Crossover into your wrestling show. Kind of fun. Ladies yes. and gentlemen, Kane will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I'll let Ben talk about that on his wrestling show, but as a political point, Kane is, in fact, mayor of Knoxville County. That's County. how they do in Tennessee. But he's also basically mayor of Knoxville. And the only person I've ever seen Ben Kissel get starstruck when he met him at Politicon in 2019. I loved meeting Kane. And I would debate Kane. I would debate Kissel versus Kissel Kane. versus Kane. Debate. Politicon 2021. I'm not sure if he's going to lower himself to me. But uh, <laughs> no, that was fantastic. And, you know, he, he did. He happened to run as a Republican. He's a Republican. But no matter what. You know, I feel the same way like with, with Al, when, when Franken was able to win, when Ventura was able to win, when you get the people from the outside of the political establishment running for political office, I do think you're just going to find people who are slightly more, they, they understand people better because you can't, I almost feel bad for these legacy kids. I would feel bad if they didn't have so much damn power, but if you're a Kennedy, what kind of gross life is that all inbred and stuff? Just being like, I'm a Kennedy. I was like, I'm, I'm happy to come from son of a, I'm happy to be a son of a truck driver. Woo. Indeed. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're doing good out there. If you've gotten the vaccine, congrats. If you have not just hold on to your seat, it's going to happen at some point and we will see you on the road very soon. And also we're going to start doing hail yourself America. As soon as last podcast gets 
on the ground or off the ground, actually, and starts traveling, then everything is going to come back to normal and we'll do some comedy clubs for Hail Yourself America. And maybe we'll even do some live shows here in L.A. for Abel Against Not Bad. Ooh. <laughs> you can see us in our meat space. I jiggle a lot in person. <laughs> yeah, we all do. We all do. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Come on, the doors are on back. Ah, what the? Is there a door behind all those spiders? <laughs> it's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. <sighs> look at how many spiders there aren't. Where should we lie down for eight consecutive hours first? Relax, you booked a Verbo. 